The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition. Hello, I'm Kimberly King, and welcome to the Mother's Market Podcast, a show dedicated to the truth, beauty, and goodness of the human condition. On today's episode, since we're in the season of love and Valentine's Day is here, what better way to celebrate than learn how to strengthen our marriages and relationships? Listen closely for some great tips that can apply to your loved ones, no matter where you are in your love journey. On today's episode, Alisa and Tony DiLorenzo are the co-authors of the Amazon bestsellers, The Six Pillars of Intimacy and Seven Days of Sex Challenge books. They believe that the healthy combination of sex, love, and commitment is more than the foundation of a strong marriage. It's the glue that will keep a marriage together. They write, they podcast, and coach couples around the world. And they've been married for 25 years. They have a son and daughter. And we welcome them to the Mother's Market Podcast. How are you guys doing? We're doing great. How are you today? Great. Thank you. I love it. And I know we got some attention out there when we said sex, love, and commitment, didn't we? (laughs) (laughs) Why don't you fill our audience in a little bit uh, behind your mission and the great work that you guys are doing before we get to today's show topic? Yeah. You know, our mission has been from day one to impact one marriage. Yeah. We get up every day um, because when we found ourselves at that crossroad and we knew we needed help, we struggled to find the resources that we need that we needed at that point in time. And so we, we went on a mission to start building those resources and to say, what happens if one marriage gets changed? What does that do to mm-hmm. a family? What does it do to a community? What does it do to a city and to a world if couples are having extraordinary marriages? And that's why we get up every morning. Uh, I love that. I love that you really do want to start with just the one marriage because I've seen that through the books that you've written and the podcasts that you have um, produced. And that's really the domino effect. And and what a great mission to have. I love it. So what is it about the new year that prompts divorces? And I'm starting off on this subject because, you know, I just actually listened to one of your podcasts about casting the net out there and casting what you want to see from your marriages. But anyway, let's ask about that. Why, Why the new year and the prompting of divorces? Well, you know, there are a couple of reasons. And, you know, yeah. one of them is that a lot of couples want, you know, if they're thinking about divorce, they want to have that, that last holiday season mm-hmm. with the kids, right? They don't want anything to kind of upset Christmas and they want to have that last memory. And so they get mm-hmm. into this place of just holding on, you know, almost like white knuckling it through the holidays to say, okay, okay, we're just, we're going to hold it all together for this. And, and so they get to that point, you know, December 31st where they're like, all right, we did it. Now what? And then the new year hits and it's, there is no vision. There is nothing that they're, they're dreaming about or Mm -hmm. looking forward to. It's they're, they're in a place of it's the same old, same old. And like Elisa said, they've held on, they've, they've held through this time. And now it's like, well, if it's going to be the same that it's been, Mm -hmm. then why are we, why are we moving forward? And so you'll see this uptick in divorce filings in early January because of that. Mm -hmm. Wow. Well, if they only had the six pillars, right? And this is what we're going to be talking about. You know, and you have had years of experience with counseling other couples and and yourselves, as you mentioned. So what can be done to help the mental health of couples? Well, it's really, I think a a big part of this is 
you know, couples think that they're the only ones going through something, mm-hmm. right? We, we yep. live in a day and age where only the perfect pictures get posted on yeah. social media. We, uh, our friends are only posting pictures of the date nights or the vacations, or, you know, actually the children all smiling at the camera at the same point <laughs> in time. But the reality is, is that everybody is struggling in some way, shape or form. You know, couples are dealing with financial crisis. Couples are dealing with, you know, parenting and, you know, being teachers, if they're still in lockdowns and their kids are on remote learning and and also being employees and doing all of these kinds of things. And and so one of the biggest things that a couple can do for their mental health is realize that they're not the only ones Mm -hmm. who are in this place. Because when you, when you have that sense of isolation, despair follows isolation. And yet when you realize that you're part of a community, when you realize that other people have this hope, hope breeds action. And so you want to stay in that place for mental health. We always have to have hope. And we've seen this over the last 12 years of us um, doing the One Extraordinary Marriage show, Mm -hmm. our own podcast. And and over those 12 years, yes, these last couple of years have been tough for for many marriages, Mm -hmm. all the things that are happening. But that place of we're the only ones going through something, that's not new. That's that's been going on since we started the One Extraordinary Marriage show and our our thing has always been like, if we can be there and encourage and infuse hope into couples so that they come around and they go, oh my gosh, you know, we're dealing with trust issues and they can find an episode and they can listen to that and they can hear Lisa and I talking about, they, they then get to a place where they're like, oh, I'm not the only one. And that mental health piece of them in despair and, and going down this place, like we're the only ones, nobody else is going through this. They get to hear another couple who said, hey, we've been there or somebody else in the one family that gets them to go, okay, we're not the only one. How can we be intentional? What can we do now and take action on our marriage so that way we can have the extraordinary we desire? Yeah, That's great. And I love that you do have uh, your community. And, and, and I see that on your social media as well. And you answer people and, and yeah. they come up with their, you know, they tell you their own story. So it really is um, safety and numbers almost, you know, that we're not the only ones going through this. It's not a perfect marriage for anybody. And I love that you spell that out. Um, you mentioned a little bit about the pandemic and how it's impacted relationships with the lockdowns and being everybody to every, you know, everything, to everyone. How has that uh, really impacted relationships? I think this is probably the first time ever in recent history um, that anyone can remember where we have had situations where we've had to be around our spouses 24 seven. With, with no break at all. And not just our spouses, but if you have children, your children, like everybody, it's, it's felt like a pressure cooker. Mm -hmm. And what we're finding is that when people are under pressure, things don't always turn out well, right? Mm -hmm. You start to see all of the behaviors that you could like, oh, I'm just going to go to the office. So I don't have to think about that. Or, you know, the kids are going off to school. So I, I, you know, I've got six or seven hours where they're being taught by somebody else. And I don't have to be a teacher because I don't know how to be a teacher. And, and, (laughs) you know, we're in this place of just having to understand that we've never been in such a stressful time collectively as a society. That's not to say that people haven't been under stress, but collectively as a society. And when that happens, people really without support, couples really start to go, is this, is this the person I'm supposed to be married to? Is this what I thought marriage was going to be? Nobody thought, I mean, we know a number of couples that got married right at the start of the pandemic. And just having talked to them, these newlyweds that literally got married and then the world shut down. Wow. Oh, wow. That's and the one that's... Yeah. That, that, that's not the happily ever after you pictured 
exactly. What do you, what do I do? And so couples are having to navigate what, how do we relate to one another? What do we need? Mm-hmm. What do we look like as a couple when the world doesn't quite look like the way we thought it was going to? And even for us, 25 years married, you know, 23 years when this whole thing started and, and we've had to go through our own situations and mm-hmm. our own just things happening and, and how are we dealing with it? And how are we, how are we strengthening our emotional intimacy? How are we strengthening our sexual intimacy? How are we strengthening our financial intimacy? How are we strengthening these areas when we feel like we don't have control? And we've been on that journey, just like many others. Else. You know what I love as well? And you talk about it in, in your book. And that is that even before the pandemic happened, you already had these pillars identified and you, you know, and you talk about it obviously with your own marriage. And I think that's what has opened the door for everybody to say, oh my gosh, we're going through the same thing, but, but life is not going to be the happily ever after. And I think you stated that well before even the pandemic happened. So kudos to you guys for bringing that up and talking about that and making it uh, a normal conversation for couples. Um, uh, couples, how can they identify where their strengths and weaknesses are? I love this question because this is what you guys have looked at through all of the years of coaching and working with couples. What's really interesting is that most people that I work with as a marriage coach, most people that I work with are incredibly successful professionally, right? They'll be able to, you know, they may be excellent teachers or CEOs or, you know, service members, whatever they do, they do it really well. And then they like drive into their garage and the garage door goes down and they look at their spouse and they think, I don't know how to do this thing. Mm-hmm. Right? You are so different from me. And yet the strengths, often when I'm working with a couple, I will tell them, let's talk about the strengths that you have professionally, right? Let's look at areas where you're strong relationally with dealing with everybody else. And let's figure out how to actually like bring that in through your garage door and plop it in your kitchen and mm. use it with your spouse. So one of the first ways to identify where strengths are is to look at how you do other areas of your life well. And then look at how you can adapt where you already are strong and bring that into your marriage. And the same thing happens in different aspects within the marriage, Mm -hmm. right? When you look at the the different pillars of intimacy, you know, there are some couples that do recreational intimacy really well, right? These are couples, they know how to have fun. They are never at a loss for a date night idea. And yet they can feel like when it comes to, you know, something like their financial intimacy, they're like, And they just get paralyzed, Yeah. but they're so creative in this other area. And so it's bringing that creativity around date nights and going, okay, well, how can we be creative with our finances? Mm. How can we get creative about saving? How can we come up with different ideas on Mm. vacations and things like that? That is so true. And I love that. It is, you know, we, we have to kind of get out of that same mold. We are professionals and yet you can handle uh, our marriage too in different ways. And I think that guidelines, those guidelines are are just amazingly helpful. What if a person wants to give up, but the other one person wants to, and the other person doesn't? Hmm. Wow. This, this is something that we face often. And and we get asked this question a lot. Like I I don't, I'm all in, but my spouse is. And and, and so what should I do? Tony and Lisa, what should I do? And Elisa and I have since the beginning, I've always looked at folks and we're not going to be the ones to tell you, like you have to make that determination on your own, unless it's physical 
or um, emotional abuse, please get help. We always mm-hmm. tell folks, hey, if you're if you're being emotionally abused, physically abused, please get help. There are hotlines, there are websites. Get on, get out. You need to protect yourself and your kids. When it comes to just like I'm all in, but right now my spouse is sort of sitting on the sidelines and who knows what's really going on in their own mind, what's going on in their lives, what's been going on at work, family, whatever else may be going on. What we say is, have you given 100%? Mm-hmm. Could you look yourself in the mirror and go, I've given 100% to this marriage. Once you can look at yourself and say that, then it's up to you to make the determination of where you're moving next. Mm-hmm. Because we have said that to many a couples. And some of them have looked at us and said, and I've had guys come up to me, husbands, friends of mine come up to me. And I've said this to them and they're like, well, not really. <laughs> I'm like, okay, then what's hundred percent to you? What do you need to do? Do you need to go hire yourself a coach? Do you need to get into some counseling? Do you need to get into a men's group? Do you need to work on yourself right now? Do you got to look at yourself and go, man, I haven't really been the best husband that I could be. And I'm willing to go do what needs to happen, be it my health, be it, you know, mentally, be it whatever it may be. Um, and so that's where we help folks to just go, okay, where, where am I right now? Mm-hmm. What can I do? Right. Because Elise and I have been in this spot. And I think each of us had to look at ourselves first and go, okay, what can I do? And then I can approach my spouse. Mm-hmm. You know, um, that's a great point. And you, and I wanted to interject uh, the question of how important is just regular health in your marriage? You know, we talked about mental health, but what about your health? It's, it's everything, mm-hmm. right? You know, taking care of yourself isn't just, you know, I mean, look, we're on this is mother's market podcast, right? We're, this is about health here and about being healthy, yeah. mind, body, and soul. And you can't just say, I'm going to only be mentally healthy, but I'm going to let the physical body go. Because if your physical body isn't working, you know, if you're, if you're carrying extra weight, if you're dealing with, you know, different nutritional deficiencies that you could actually take action on, it behooves you to go and do that because it's not just going to impact you. It's going to impact your spouse. It's going to impact your family. We have a responsibility to ourselves to, to be the best in, to be in the best physical health we can be in. Because that changes how we show up in our marriages. It changes how we show up in relationships. It changes how we relate to the world around us. It's yeah. not something that we get the luxury of just saying, well, that's no big deal. Or I'll deal with that in you know, 10 years or 20 years. Mm-hmm. We all know people that put off taking care of their health. And then they didn't have their health. And when you don't have your health, you really do lose everything. And one of the big things that we hear is around sexual intimacy. Mm-hmm. And a lot of this is coming up more and more. And I do think it has to do with the stress a lot of us have been under over these last couple of years. Um, but we're hearing a lot of folks going, hey, my husband or even the guys going, hey, mm-hmm. I- I'm I'm dealing with ED. And we have done a lot of studying. We've done a lot of reading. And a lot of it does come to your physical health. What are you putting in your body? Right. How, what are you eating? What are the supplements that you are taking to help you there? Um, and that can shift a marriage. Like it can shift a marriage because when, when you're dealing with that, that impacts your emotional intimacy. It impacts your, your physical intimacy. It impacts these areas. And couples begin to realize like, oh my gosh, like if I just begin to eat, eat healthier. Maybe if I start working out, maybe if we start getting out for maybe a walk and talk, we start losing some weight, we start feeling better. Things begin to shift. And 
you know, it goes to the mental health too. Your mental health starts mm-hmm. to shift as well. You start to feel better. You get some yeah. sunshine. You're not sitting inside all day long, you know, cooped up. You're getting out together. Right. So, yeah. And it, and I love all of that. It's so true. It all weighs and balances right there. But it also goes back to how have you given your 100% or have you? And, yeah. you know, just, and just, if you're not that couple, that that one that's saying, hey, come out and come for a walk with me, but just even asking the question or what did you have to eat today? Not to put somebody down, but to lift somebody up, you know, yeah. and, and do that, doing that together. Uh, and, and again, there's really, when you get married until now, now there's the journal that you can go along and, you know, the guidelines, the book, right? Yeah. We didn't have that back in the day. So from all of this experience, what, um, What's the most important factor in maintaining a healthy relationship? So we talked about the actual health, the mental health, but what about the health of the relationship? I think the number one thing for the health of a relationship is maintaining your intentionality, Mm. right? You know, when you look at, when you look at a couple that first starts dating, they're all about intentionality. Like I'm going to take you out on a date and I'm going to take you to dinner and I'm going to bring you flowers and I'm going to make you a great meal and I'm going to flirt with you and I'm going to do all, like all you think about is what are you going to do for this person? And then you have all of this intentionality wrapped around the wedding. We're just at a wedding this past weekend and it was the flowers and the the venue Mm -hmm. and the cake and the music, like so much thought going into the wedding. Mm -hmm. And then the day after comes. And you start going, okay, well, we've got to pay the bills and we've got to, you know, like I got to do this and you got to, and all of a sudden where all this intentionality was pushing a couple together, the lack of intentionality starts to create this drift, mm. this disconnect. And so being intentional in every area of your marriage to the best of your ability, I think is what contributes overall to the health of a marriage long-term. And that, I love that too, because that also goes with casting your dreams for your marriage, you know, Mm -hmm. and you have to talk about that ahead of time and keep, uh, you know, stay intentional. As you said, I love that. That's key. What is the biggest issue you've seen couples struggle with in the past few years? Pandemic, obviously we've talked about, but even, even prior to that. Biggest issues, gosh, it, it, it hits the gamut. Um, But I think for many couples, it's just the the lack of emotional intimacy. And when we say emotional intimacy, this is your, your communication, verbal and nonverbal communication. It's how do we connect in our emotional intimacy and strengthen that pillar? Because that is the workhorse of any marriage. If we're able to verbalize and communicate what's happening through the highs and the lows, then we're able to understand where we're at. And so this is one area that we have addressed many a times on our podcast and talked about it from different angles and different ways. So couples can go, wait a minute, if Tony and Lisa can talk about this topic, whatever it may be, high desire, low desire, it could be trust issues. It could be doing a sex challenge. It could be um, whatever may be going on in the marriage. If we can get them to just start to share what's happening then we can see the, the breakthrough happen. And so even, and I like that too, prior to the pandemic, you see it's kind of uh, the emotional and the verbalization and the communication. Yeah. Uh, 
Because there's so much, there's so much communication that happens again, going back to, you know, kind of that dating courtship phase, there's all this get to know you like, I want to, you know, what's your favorite flavor of ice cream and tell me about, you know, what happened when you were in third grade. And then we get married and what we see so often, and we hear it from, you know, the countless emails we get every week is, well, we just don't talk anymore. Mm-hmm. Well, if you aren't talking to your spouse, you don't know what fears they have. You don't know what excites them. You don't know what challenges they're facing. They literally become your roommate mm-hmm. and, and nobody gets married to have a roommate. You, you get right. married to, to have a lover, to have this life partner that you share everything with. But if you don't know who they are because you aren't talking to them, then are, that's where people start to question their marriage. So interesting. I love talking to you guys and uh, we have to take a quick break. We're going to have more in just a moment and we're going to really dive into what those six pillars of intimacy are. When we Looking for healthier snack options? Mother's Market sources organic and non-GMO small batch, high quality, great tasting nuts, dried fruits, snacks, and candy. The goal? To provide you the highest in quality snacks while also offering high nutritional value. Fan favorites include non-GMO peanut butter pretzel bites, organic dried mango slices, and organic dark chocolate peanut clusters. Stop into your local Mother's Market today to explore all the varieties and pick some up to try for yourself. Let's talk menstruation, perimenopause, menopause, and postmenopause. These shouldn't be taboo topics. They're the normal life phases we move through as women. And Solaray delivers support every step of the way with her life stages. The first of its kind comprehensive new supplement line offers doctor formulated solutions at each stage with clinically backed ingredients you can count on. Own the stage. Buy Solaray at Mother's Market today. Welcome back to the Mother's Market Podcast. And we want to remind you that if you missed any portion of today's show, you can find us on iTunes by searching Mother's Market or download the show from our website, mothersmarket.com. Click the link for podcast and listen to past shows. Plus, download our healthy recipes and money savings coupons, all available at mothersmarket.com. And now back to our interview with Elisa and Tony DeLorenzo. And we're talking about how people can stay healthy in their relationships and their marriages and avoid a COVID casualty, what is kind of quote unquote, breaking up in the new year. And you have so many amazing tools. You've just written this uh, wonderful book, The Six Pillars of Intimacy. What are the six pillars of intimacy? So the six pillars of intimacy are, we've talked about them a little bit here, but let's get them all out so you guys know them. So it's emotional intimacy. Physical intimacy, this is your non-sexual touches, Mm -hmm. financial intimacy, spiritual intimacy, recreational intimacy, and lastly, your sexual intimacy. Right. And you have to get the book to really read into that and a new workbook along with that. But let's talk about kids and relationships Mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, stronger or weaker with children. Let's Let's kind of dive into that when you add in your complete family with your six pillars. I would say kids change a marriage. Um, some yes. days, some days it may feel stronger because you have kids. Some days it may feel weaker because you have kids. But children change a dynamic. Uh, mm-hmm. We were just with some friends who, and we were talking about this and saying how you know you don't really know who your spouse is until you have a child, and you know the baby's screaming at three a.m. 
That's, mm-hmm. There's a whole lot of truth to that, right? Yeah. Or, you know, a toddler takes a marker to a wall and you suddenly have to <laughs> figure out, okay, where do those buttons get pushed? Uh, But when you start to look at the framework of the six pillars of intimacy, these really aren't just a framework on how a husband and wife can relate to one another. It actually becomes a framework for how you relate to other people, right? What does it look like to have strong emotional intimacy with your spouse and your children, right? To be able to have those conversations. What does it look like to understand that physical intimacy, that non-sexual touch is important to both spouses and to children. And, and to be able to start, you now granted, you're not gonna have sexual intimacy, like there are certain pillars where you take a step back, but sexual intimacy is the only one that you wouldn't do with your family, right? Because you can have financial intimacy with your children. You can talk to them, you can train them about money and about you know how to manage you know investments and all of that. You can talk to your children and have spiritual intimacy with them that you know build their faith. You can do the same thing with recreational intimacy. What are the fun things that we do together as a family? Now, within the context of marriage, that's that's a special connection and closeness for only husband and wife. But what you learn in the six pillars of intimacy, you can take to all of your other relationships. Mm-hmm. And boy, how are they going to be equipped into the future when you can talk about your finances, you know how to recreate with each other, and you've shown them an amazing uh, role, role models, you've been that way when you can talk about all of that with your children. You're leaving, uh, you're leaving a legacy. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's what you're doing as a couple. How are you leaving a legacy? And you're doing the best that you can. So you continue to just sprinkle these things in. You get a moment in time where maybe you're going for a drive and you get to talk about money or finances, or even you, you start having teenagers and you better mm-hmm. start talking to your kids about sex. Mm-hmm. You, you know, they're learning it from somewhere. Learn it from yeah. you. Let them learn it from you guys. Let them hear it from you guys. Yes. They're going to be like, Oh my gosh, dad, I can't believe, oh, <laughs> I can't believe. Yes. They're going to do this. Our kids have done this. And yet we've just <laughs> got there and just talked to them about it and just had healthy conversation around it. Mm-hmm. Because in our minds, it's always been like, What's a legacy we're leaving? Right. Mm-hmm. Who are we raising up? Who are the, who are the who are the people they're going to marry? And, and we're going to have to, you know, hey guys, yes, <laughs> you are your parents, but you are reading this book. <laughs> exactly. Oh you wow, married. that it, for marriage. So, um, but I always think of it that way. What's the legacy mm-hmm. we're going to leave? Mm-hmm. And I love that too. I mean, it is true. Now that with the with the cell phones, I mean, they literally have everything at their fingertips. Absolutely. Not why why have it be a taboo subject and and open it all up. So that's that's great. Um, and this goes right into the next question. Why did you write this book? We this book actually is you know in a very real sense a product of COVID. Um, mm-hmm. We had been talking about different intimacies from the very beginning of one extraordinary marriage we we realized that you know so often when couples say intimacy you know in the general in the general sense they're talking about sex Mm -hmm. but when you look at a strong marriage you know couples cannot be having sex 24 hours a day regardless of what some people think would be like the ideal (laughs) it's physically impossible yeah and most people would come up to us and they would say this they would be like hey we want deeper intimacy And in my mind, after years of studying couples, 12 years of studying couples, and even Elisa and I, I knew automatically what they were saying. They're like, we want more sex. sex." (laughs) And that's not the only thing that sustains a marriage. Mm -hmm. And so as we began to just look at 
the intimacies what what actually are the is the foundation to a marriage we had the opportunity to speak and we sat there and we looked at mm-hmm. what are the intimacies what are they and fortunately for us we had this opportunity to to speak to a group of folks and as we shared this with them we begin to see light bulbs sort of start popping up over their heads because now they weren't just like Oh, intimacy is sex. And that's all I can equate intimacy with. No, intimacy is much more. Mm -hmm. Some of them have cracks. Some of them are strong. And together as a couple, as a team, we can strengthen these. And that was the start of the six pillars of intimacy. And it's just been such a, such a joy to speak to couples throughout COVID because we would be speaking about it. And those in the one family would come back and they'd be like, oh my gosh, this is exactly what I needed mm-hmm. to hear. And this is how we use this, or this is how we have engaged in our physical intimacy. And thank you so much for breaking those apart, they would say, because I do just want to cuddle. I don't want sex. Even guys would say that. They're just like, I just want my wife to hold my hand. I just want her to kiss me. I don't need to go more than that. So, yeah. Wow. And that, again, leads to another question. It's been, what has been the biggest response to this particular book, The Six? pillars of intimacy. This book has been, I think the biggest response is that this book has become a lifeline. This framework (laughs) has become a lifeline for countless couples literally around the world who, you know, instead of having to grasp for what's wrong in our marriage, right? You you know, again, when intimacy is only sex and you're like, well, we aren't having sex, that must be what's wrong with us. Now couples can actually look at all six pillars and say, wait a minute, maybe the reason we aren't having sex is because we've got all these cracks in our financial intimacy, yeah. or, or we've got these cracks in our emotional intimacy. So, so sex is the, the symptom, but we can now trace it back and understand where the cracks are. And if you know, and this is what a lot of people have told us now that we know where the cracks are, we can do something about it. Right. Right. So oh, many Right. So many people are like, oh, well, well, we must be broken. We must be unfixable mm. because we can't name what this thing is. We're just not working. But if we can, when you have the ability to name something, then you are empowered to take action around that. And when people are empowered, and this goes back to something I said in the first segment, when people are empowered, they have hope. Mm-hmm. When you have hope, then you can take action mm-hmm. and you can do something about it. I love all, I, I just, I think, again, the legacy that you are building and then just really opening up these conversations. And as you said in the first part of this as well, that, you know, when you're dating, when you first get married, of course, you're, you know, it's ah, all these wonderful things, you know, the, the angels are singing and all of that, but then you get to that reality check. And this is the way to keep it real and to keep those conversations going when you uh, talk about and, and really hone in on where the cracks are and and doing that deep dive. Do you think there's a stigma to counseling or coaching or couples counseling, coaching? What, what, how has that changed? 100% yes. Yeah. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And so I think a lot of people, they equate counseling with being in this place where they just, they're going to be talking about their problems over and over and over again and not seeing breakthrough. And so because of that, or because they had a bad experience when they were a child, or maybe they had a bad experience once when, you know, early in their marriage, they're not willing to go back there. Well, it's kind of like, if, you know, in my mind, it's kind of like, if you have a bad experience at a restaurant, you may not go back to that restaurant, but you're not going to stop eating, right? Mm-hmm. You're, 
<laughs> That's a good point. Oh, I love that analogy. Right. So the same yeah. thing too, if you recognize that there's an area where you need help in your marriage, if you recognize that the two of you have tried to do things over and over again, and you aren't fixing it on your own, then be, be proactive, go get help, find somebody that is an expert, whether it's a coach or a counselor. And if they're not the right fit, find somebody else. You're not married. You're only married to your spouse. You are not married to your counselor or your coach. You can actually separate from them. And Elisa practice what we preach. We've gone to counselors. We've gone to coaches. Mm -hmm. We have been individual. We've gone together. Elisa and I really believe in it. And for us, the way we, the way we frame this is this isn't a lifelong journey mm -hmm. with this individual. This is a three month, maybe six months where we're working on some specific areas so we can have that breakthrough that we need. And then we will move on. We'll go to something else. We'll take a break. And I think if more couples would understand that, Hey, you can jump into something for three months, six months and see massive shifts. Right. Then I think more people would be more likely to do it. It's almost like I'm a huge cyclist. I'm a huge road cyclist. Uh, back in the day, I used to do a lot of hundred milers. I used to train for double century. So 200 miles in a day. And there was a goal in my mind. I knew on a certain date, I was going to go after that race. And I think as couples, if we looked at coaching and marriage coaching as a, Hey, we're going to go through this, we're going to do the training. Mm -hmm. And after 10 sessions, say, We've hit our goal and we're going to reassess it from there. I think more folks would jump in and go, all right, this is going to be good for us. Right. You know what? And that's so true. I think it's the narrative or what we've all been told growing up or whatnot, but we train our bodies, just like you say. I mean, we go get our exercise. We meet with trainers. So why shouldn't we do this for one of the most important relationships that we have that uh, again, are going to model to our kids and into the future for that legacy. Absolutely. Definitely. So um, couples may have issues in a few areas. Is there a roadmap to which one to start working on first? I mean, everybody has different cracks everywhere, right? Is there, do you have any advice around that? So in the actual book, we have a six pillars of intimacy quiz at uh, anybody who buys a book, they can take it for free. They can see where they are strong and which pillars have cracks. Everybody is going to be different. And so by, by looking at that, you attack what, which one you have cracks in, but you also look at the ones you have strengths and you go, okay, well, if we're strong in our recreational intimacy, if we can do dating really well and we can do activities really well. Well, how do we take that into our sexual intimacy? Because our sexual intimacy has some cracks in it. Mm -hmm. So if we can plan out a date, how can we plan out this amazing romantic sexual experience together? Mm -hmm. And, and use those. So everybody's going to be a little different. Some folks we've seen, you know, they'll tackle one. They're like, this is the one financial intimacy. This is the one we're going after it. And the other ones all get built up because of them attacking the financial intimacy. Others we've seen go after two or three because they're like this one, this one, and this one really blend together for us. Um, and so we allow couples to do what, what's best for them because we know everybody's in a different spot and different place, but use the framework and then attack it. That's a big thing. Take action. Which, right. Wherever you're at, take action with it. Mm, that's a good point. Um, I wondered this question. Uh, do you have to, both couples, to make this successful, have to read Six Pillars of Intimacy? I think I know the answer, but I'm going to well, let you answer that. <laughs> you can definitely accelerate things if you both yeah. jump in. 
Um, Cause then you're both operating out of the, the same language, right? The same, you know, basic foundation. The reality is, is that sometimes your spouse isn't ready. Mm. And if your spouse isn't ready, you can still take action right now, mm-hmm. right? Don't, mm-hmm. don't wait until they're ready. Cause if you're waiting for them to be ready, they may never be ready. But if you actually take action and start to shift the environment, you may draw them in to go, okay, wait, what are you, what are you doing? Why, why, why are we spending more time cuddling on the couch? Why do you give me a kiss every day when, you know, I leave for work now and you haven't been doing that? Why do you text me during the day? Like, that's been weird. Like all of a sudden you started texting. (laughs) Why are you asking me to sit down and talk about finance? You may just start taking action. And the book is full of ideas on how you can take action. Each one of these six pillars, it's an invitation. Those actions become an invitation to your spouse to say, come along. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. even if they aren't quite ready to be all in and read the book themselves. Yeah. Perfect. What, uh, what would you give advice to a couple on the verge of a breakup? Mm. If you haven't gotten help, get help mm. before you make that decision. Um, whether you have children or you don't have children, the, the ending of a marriage relationship is significant. Mm-hmm. And even if your marriage ends up going down the road of breakup of divorce, Mm. the two of you need to be the healthiest versions of yourself going through that process. And so having a professional to walk alongside you to assist in that healing, if you stay in the marriage then getting the healing is going to be really good because now you're going to be two healthier people within the marriage, working on the marriage. If the marriage doesn't, if the marriage does end, then the two of you need to be the healthiest versions of yourself for how you go out into the world after that marriage. And too many people don't get help. And so whether they stay in the marriage or they get out of the marriage, they're still hurt and broken. And Mm. if that's the place that you're in, all you're doing is repeating those cycles. That's key as well, because it is a cycle there. We all come to the marriage with different backgrounds and there's just a lot of things that in that emotional uh, baggage that we all bring. So that's, if we don't deal with that, then yeah, we're likely to continue to repeat that. That's great. In addition to your book, what can couples do to strengthen their relationships? I would say, listen to the one extra name marriage show mm. with 12 years of episodes there. There's something for you. There's mm. something for you. And Elisa and I've heard countless stories of couples who are on the edge on the brink mm-hmm. of breakup, of divorce, of no emotional connection, finance is a mess, no sexual intimacy whatsoever. And they begin to listen and they get to hear a couple who's gone through some stuff. Yeah. Like we've been in $50,000 in debt and got ourselves out of it. We've lost a yeah. child. We, we lost everything during the great recession. We, we have fights. We've had, <laughs> we've had we still have fights. We are not perfect. We have cracks <laughs> and have had cracks in every single pillar and we still do. And we are still willing to be intentional mm-hmm. and take action. So start listening mm-hmm. because what it does, it allows you to go. We're not alone. Right. Yeah. We may be different. We may have had some different circumstances happen in our life. Different things have happened. I understand, but you get to hear a couple who gets to go, all right, if Tony and Lisa can do this, then together we can do, we can do it as well. So inspiring. And it's true. I think one of the first things you both told me when I first met you was you haven't heard, there's nothing you haven't heard that can 
can be changed or could be intentional and 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 make the marriages better. You know, I mean, you you've really kind of heard the gamut, haven't you, with your your can one share, group? Can I share one story real quick? Please, we please. Just got, we just got this cool. We, we call them hugs, um, and that's when one those in the one family share a story. And we got a hug from a couple, forty four years married, mm. and they they just completed their first ever seven days of sex challenge. <laughs> and it was the coolest right. thing to hear from this couple and how excited they were mm-hmm. 44. And I just go, they're 44 years married. Wow. And here's a couple that did a seven day sex challenge and is so excited for what's ahead. And I'm like, that's, that's awesome. That's what we're here for is to encourage and, and just infuse hope into no matter if you've just gone married yeah. been married 25 years or so, like Elisa or I are 40 plus years of marriage. Like that's what we're here to do. Oh my gosh. I love that. I love it. And I, I have a thing called my Kimspirational stories. This fits right in here. And thank you for just lining the way. And again, leaving this legacy and, and really changing the narrative to marriages actually are a really amazing thing. And we got to work on them. And, and this is what it takes to work uh, yes. to stay together and, and give others hope. Um, so I thank you so much for your time and great thank advice. You. Yeah. Get the book, The Six Pillars of Intimacy, but you've also written five others. So I, if you want to just say them really quickly, and then also um, it's oneextraordinarymarriage.com is mm-hmm. where you find everything. But why don't I give it to you now and, and tell me uh, all of the books that you've written. Yeah, so we've written Strip Down, 13 Keys to Unlocking Intimacy in Your Marriage, The Seven Days of Sex Challenge, Connect Like You Did When You First Met, um, The Trust Factor, and then Call to Love, Call to which Love. is a devotional. Yeah, mm-hmm. those, are, those are the five books. And then our newest book, uh, an Amazon bestseller, The Six Pillars of Intimacy. And you have a workbook that goes along with it and the podcast. So definitely check them out. Tony and Elisa, we cannot thank you enough. Thank you for spreading the love and and moving on that legacy. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. If you want to learn more health information, check out mothersmarket.com. Get delicious recipes and health guidelines to keep your body in great shape. Thanks for listening to the Mother's Market podcast and for shopping at Mother's Market. The advice and informational content does not necessarily represent the views of Mother's Market and Kitchen. Mother's recommends consulting your health professional for your personal medical condition.